At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome on to our first overall view of the landscape here of this 2019-20 NBA season. We're going to do our awards a little bit early for you, but we thought we'd give you a big episode leading into the Thanksgiving holiday. So the way we do this basically is we take a fake award ballot because neither Danny or I actually have real NBA award ballots. And we also have a few categories that we invented as well that we do by the end. So we start with the granddaddy of them all, the MVP. Five people on the ballot, please, Mr. LaRue. Which way do you want to do this? Do you want to go five to one or one to five? Uh, Let's start start with one. Uh, I think that's where the most intrigue lies right now. I, I agree with you. And for me, the conversation really at the top was focused around four people. And, uh, and then drawing lines of separation became a little bit hard and, I ended up surprising myself and using something that I've I've harped on before and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is temporarily. And that is how much you play really does matter here. And so for me, those four people are Giannis, who I think has been the best on a per minute basis, Harden, Luka Doncic, and LeBron. And what and so I would say Giannis has been the best on a permanent basis, largely because even though he's a step down from those guys offensively, he's by far the best of those guys defensively, even though LeBron yeah. has been well, better well, this what's, year. What's the basis for saying he's been the, the best on a on a permanent basis? So he's been the most important offensive player on the team. They've been they, he's been an effective scorer, but also I mean he's in the he's to me he's not my defensive player of the year, but he's in that conversation. So if you are going to say his offensive impact is a little bit behind those guys they're all centerpieces of successful offenses and more dominant on that end than Giannis is other than maybe as an individual scorer but then when you factor in that margin to me is is smaller even if offense is more important than defense than the gulf that still exists between him and those guys offensively where with Luka and Harden we're talking about are they even an asset at all in the defensive end and with LeBron I'd say he's been a modest one if that yeah so PIPM Jacob Goldstein's uh, all-in-one metric obviously very early on for drawing a ton of conclusions from off on data off on data sometimes it's more off on than on off uh but Giannis a very very healthy lead in PIPM the highest number I can remember seeing actually 8.75 overall 5.2 on offense 3.5 3.5 on defense as mentioned that really just blows away Giannis is going to figure in my defensive player of the year calculation as well Luca 
slightly negative 0.9 Harden is actually positive this year sorry I'm not buying that for a second and uh, LeBron at plus 0.9 my general feeling especially on this defensive stuff is you know if you're kind of in the plus 1.5 to negative 1.5 range I'm not going to put a ton of stock in it either way if you're just a massive outlier on one side or the other uh on defense that's what I really start to throw it in Harden I think still is a clear negative defensively we've just got years and years and years of evidence to show that the Rockets are not a good defensive team LeBron we've seen more from him defensively and the Lakers have been a good defensive team uh Doncic I think has been you know he's probably a little bit below average but I I haven't when I've watched the Mavs seen him like really making a bunch of bad defensive plays or just getting attacked relentlessly so I don't necessarily uh, put a ton of stock in those numbers when you're adding up to the total. And the crazy number for Doncic is number one in the NBA by a mile in offensive PIPM, 7.42. And you any of the other box score stats as well, uh, his PR, he's actually now tied with Giannis after Giannis had a couple of really huge games at the end here. So did Luka. Um but 33.3 PER for both Giannis and Luca, 63% true shooting for Giannis. Or I'm sorry, for Luca, 62% for Giannis. And then, by the way, how crazy yeah. is it that that Luca has a higher true shooting than Giannis? No, I mean, that, and he's not even doing it with like crazy three point shooting either. Right. Three three point shooting is like that's the biggest thing about it is you're not like oh he's just hitting a bunch of bunch of tough shots like he's just his assist numbers are great he's a great rebounder uh he's getting to the basket he's finishing efficiently there so uh, there's nothing in his line that makes you think like oh this is just because generally what i uh, my feeling is is a tiebreaker especially in all nba is well who do i think is the better player i'm actually gonna go uh, even though i'd say put a gun to my head Giannis is the better player than luca right now especially when you get into a playoff situation but i'm gonna go with luca as my mvp right now maybe that's just an overreaction these last couple of games the other thing that's crazy is other than his teammate dwight powell he has the highest offensive rating individually in the nba 118 offensive rating for the mavericks when he is on the floor yeah and and part of the argument for luca is that it's not like the mavericks have this embarrassment of riches that he's yeah. taking advantage of they're not pairing him with kevin durant and clay thompson bunch of stuff like he is the reason a lot of these players are are doing so well I was really tempted for me. I, I kind of, I mean, LeBron deserves mention in this group, but to me, he's kind of at the bottom end of it. I vacillated between the other three and ended up when it was that close for me, I ended up deciding it on minutes played. Harden, by virtue of logging 37.3 minutes per game, and Giannis, you know, Giannis is up to 33 now, but remember, he missed a bunch of time early in the season due to that weird foul trouble stuff, so that might end up moving more in that direction. Yeah, I think he, is he missed a game or two? I think he did. Giannis, well, they both played 17 overall. I can't remember whether the Bucks have actually played more games than that, but yeah. in overall minutes played, Harden does, you know, it's only a few per game, but when he played 17, that's a lot, and the Rockets need him just like all of these teams need their players. So I ended up using that as the tiebreaker. Um, I totally, you knew you've talked about best player being yours. That's totally fine. So I went number one, Harden, number two, Giannis, number three, Luca, number four, LeBron, then a gap. Then number five, I went with Anthony Davis as the best of the rest. His mix of offense and defense was really good. He's also, um, I mean, he's been a part, a bit of a key part of the Lakers surprisingly successful defense and then their offensive success. And there wasn't anybody else that really screamed. You definitely have to include that guy. So I thought that I, I liked AD. We wanted to put out a full ballot. So he was my five. 
Yeah, so Doncic was my number one. I mean, this is, it's also just like kind of a fun story to have him number one at, at this point in time. I mean, I think he and Giannis to me are just a little bit ahead of Harden, uh, who has not been playing at his absolute best. The Rockets have just had kind of a weird year so far. They haven't been quite as ridiculous offensively this season. Although, yeah, Harden only won 12.6 offensive rating when he's been on the floor. By contrast, the Lakers actually have a better offensive rating when LeBron is on the floor than Houston does when Harden is on the floor. Clearly, LeBron has some more talent around him, but also he doesn't have that four-out system either. And the Lakers' three-point shooting hasn't been great up until very recently. Um, Yeah, I mean, LeBron, the on-off metrics uh, may have something to say when we get more of a sample size towards the end of the year about his candidacy being taken a little bit more seriously. His individual offensive efficiency just isn't in the same ballpark as these guys, only 57% true shooting. That's slightly better than the league average, but of course his playmaking has been really good uh he was my clear number four i had Harden three Giannis two uh, and Doncic one Mavs also had an easy schedule but uh, uh for now let's give it to Luca. and you know if it's this close at the end of the year I'm sure we'll do an entire show just based on, on MVP my number five I went with Carl Anthony Towns just carrying a Minnesota team to over 500 that has very little around him uh, and Davis would have been uh, my number six. Um, but I think Towns is having to do a little bit. He's no longer a defensive liability. Their defense is actually on average now. And uh, I think he's clearly the superior offensive player to Davis, although Davis certainly deserves to be in the defensive player of the year conversation to some degree as well. Um, all right, you got anything else on MVP? No, I think that's about it. I will get to All-NBA momentarily here. Let's talk about Masterclass, which lets you learn from the best. They give you exclusive access to online classes taught by masters of their craft. One of those happens to be Steph Curry. Really enjoyed watching his video tutorial. My wife has taken a number of their classes now. Margaret Atwood, she really enjoyed uh, on writing. She's uh, been getting into doing that a little bit. They now have over 60 different instructors and classes. There's something for everyone, whether you want to just be entertained and learn about something or really get into something and try to get better at it masterclass is really enjoyable there is like real classes real class work real exercises when my wife was doing the atwood class she's constantly writing stuff doing their exercises so it does really help you get better as in addition to being something that oh hey i just always kind of wanted to learn more about this so you can take it either way as either something that's more casual or hey i'm gonna really get my elbows dirty here and get into this so check it out you can get unlimited access to every masterclass and 15 percent off the annual all access pass as a Dunton listener at masterclass.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program masterclass.com slash capspace they'll get you 15 percent off their annual all access pass that gives you unlimited access to every single masterclass which i had known they were going to be on as the sponsor because i could have gotten my wife one but she actually just bought it on her own she did not use the cat space code and did not get 15 percent off but you can masterclass.com slash cat space that slash cat space url let's know that you came from us all right so pretty clearly based on what we just said four of our first five first team all nba slots are me taken by harden and Doncic at the guards unless you did did you not have Doncic as a guard no it, to me i did it was an 
an imperative to have those four on the first line, so I made Luca a guard. Yeah, not, I, not, I mean, not a big I mean, I still think He's I still think Luca is like kind of forward size in terms of who he guards, but he clearly has the ball in his hands every single possession. He's bringing the ball up. They're starting units with him at point guard and Finney Smith and Hardaway next to him. They've probably started more of those lately than they have with a traditional point guard next to him. And even then, you might even call him the shooting guard. So yeah, I think it's totally fair to put him as a guard. Um, and then James and Anacumpo up front at the Ford's slots. And so that really leaves then who your first team All-NBA center is. And to me, there were really three options here. One is Anthony Davis, who I had as number five in MVP. So you do that. Playing but very little center. This playing time. very little center, which is why I didn't do it. And also the Lakers have been better when he's been at the four than the five. And I like that as kind of like a tiebreaker in there. And also to me, Davis has not been as definitive. So there wasn't the pressure to make sure that he was in the line as opposed to actually it would probably be LeBron because Luka would have been over LeBron for me if I had to make him a forward. So then the other two options for me were Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid. You have already articulated the case well for Towns, dominant offensive player and not a negative defensively. And then for me, Embiid has a has a compelling case because he has been great defensively, which I consider more important for a center. And then he's been, you know, pretty good offensively. We are recording this on the heels of the scoreless night, but generally he has done, he's done very well overall. And I mean, I have my issues with his offense, but going there, I ended up going going with Embiid over Towns because to me defense is more important than offense for a center I it's splitting hairs between those two for me so I I have Embiid first team Towns second team and Gobert's had a fabulous year but it's just he's just not quite the two like the the overall force of those two guys so he's on my third team yeah I went with Towns I think he's been significantly better than Embiid so far I mean 66% true shooting for anyone that's ridiculous but a, a center he basically is the Wolves offense they have nobody else on their offense uh, every once in a while Andrew you know he had a terrible like first six or seven games then he had a good stretch now he hasn't been as good these last couple of games again uh 29 PR four towns Towns has played 497 minutes and Embiid has played 380 so I think he's been a little bit better on a per play basis now who would I rather have in the playoffs that might be a different story uh, but when you consider that Towns has played so much more I think it's very clear that he should be the first team NBA center as was presaged of course by him being on my MVP ballot uh, I, I will also note though it didn't really factor into this decision I am for all NBA it's for me it's as long as they have a sufficient sample for me it's more about more outstanding than valuable so I don't consider consider minutes played nearly as much here but you know it can still be a factor it's just not as definitive of one. Oh yeah well i think as a tiebreaker season and as i said i think uh towns has been better on a per play basis than it and beat anyway uh second team i thought the forward slots are very very clear Kawhi leonard and anthony davis there's no one else at the forward position in that ballpark right now no uh, argument for me Kawhi hasn't played that many minutes but again you know especially because you you talk about most outstanding and defaulting to who the better player is and I think he's going to play more as as the season goes on we hope so Paul George will probably be heard from by the end of the year as well in this conversation you would think uh yeah and ad as the other forward i guess i can just finish out the forwards here just since we're talking about it yeah well uh, do you want to do your third center before i finish that or do you want to do forward well i i have a second center who is oh Joel Embiid. okay yeah uh rudy gobert is my second team all nba center uh, above Joel Embiid. Yeah, Again, I, I, you know, yeah. I'm no, I'm not going to fight that too hard. I mean, Gobert has been better defensively, and the margin between those guys offensively has been more narrow than I would have expected. Yeah, and I mean, 
Gobert, again, has been just incredible defensively. Jazz have been better than expected on defense. And we'll see. Maybe, I mean, Embiid, his individual defensive rating is 93.4. And the Sixers, I think, have like a 12 or 13 net rating when he's on the floor. So if he plays more, if Gobert misses more time with this ankle, by the end of the season, things could be a lot different. As of now, if you've played... 30% 30% more minutes than the, the guy below you, that's a pretty compelling argument as of this well, point in time. And, and something else we should know, because we didn't mention this at the outset, these awards are not predictive. These are based oh, on yeah. what we've seen so far. Right, yeah. If you wanted me to guess who it's going to be at the end of the year, that's a totally different... We did that podcast. You can listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also just kind of fun at this point in the year to be like, okay, we're taking stock of what's happened here. In some ways, I almost focus more on just what's happened so far early on in the season, just because there's, you do have these crazy, where, okay, hey, you missed five games and now we can't talk about you. You know, like there's, it's kind of fun to do that, whereas at the end of the year you have to kind of get a little more rational about it and say okay this guy you know if this guy didn't play as many minutes but he's just clearly a better player we got to go with him um but as of right now you can kind of just take stock of what's happened already so far this season uh even uh let the narrative sway you a little bit if if you're so inclined okay so we've done our we've both done all three of our centers and then we've both done our our second team forward so third team for me the next guy what well, yeah at forward now yeah the next guy at forward so the fifth player thus the the first guy on the third team is pascal siakam what he has done offensively is incredibly impressive shouldering a, a larger portion of the playmaking burden added benefit to me that they've done as well as they have when kyle lowry's been out i think that a lot of that praise goes on siakam it goes on other people too that i'll talk about later and then the the sixth spot was tough. If Gordon Hayward had stayed healthy, I think I would have he would have been been more heavily in the conversation for me here. He's had a wonderful year so far, and I, I ended up going with Jimmy Butler. It's not the you know it, it's not the strongest case for Butler. He has done well on both ends of the floor. See, that's interesting. I thought that statistically, you really can't make an argument for anyone else. Yeah, well, and that's what I was getting to. Is like I don't think it's an amazing case for him, but there wasn't there wasn't anybody else that it was really there. Yeah. So yeah, like who who else are you even? I mean, to me, I thought this was like one of the clearest ones in the board. There's no one else even that I yeah. Was even it, I thinking mean, about. I like I like Paul Millsap a lot, and I think he's been important to the Nuggets' yeah. defensive success. But I also think there's a little bit of flukiness there with opponent shooting. So giving him that credit, and Butler's been Butler's been really good. So yeah, I have him as the sixth guy. Do you have him over Siakam, or is he still the no, last guy? No, no, I would have Siakam. Higher. How weird yeah. was it to have a challenging choice at guard? Like, not challenging in terms of good, but just, like, having to pick guards. It was such a weird year for this. Well, um, guards is probably the deepest position. I, I think I've always struggled with those the most. I mean, last year, think of the, the all-NBA considerations with Walker and Beal and, and who uh, Clay Thompson, who is going to actually end up getting it uh, and w- would be eligible for the Supermax. I mean, there are a lot of... There usually seems to be more difficulties, especially because you get into these situations where these guys are the primary guys for their teams a lot of times it's not that good of a team but you're just every team kind of has a primary creator and so the the list of candidates at guard there's only so many forwards and centers who have the skill level to be a primary offensive option for their team and those guys are usually just going to get into this discussion 
pretty obviously and you know like we said after butler it really drops off at the forward position and same thing at center oh did we do our third team center let's finish that first before we talk about the guards mine was gobert i went towns okay. then gobert yeah and, and i had him beat um okay. and, so, and really again i thought there was a pretty severe drop off yeah i mean probably... Jokic not being in the conversation he just hasn't right. been as good yet yeah i mean other than that you know andre drummond sorry I, you know your your box score stats uh have failed to impress me for the 19th consecutive year here um all right so yeah let's get back to the guards i thought uh one guard candidate to me for talking about second team now was well above all the others that was damian lillard agreed um maybe on pace for his best season before he got slowed by these back issues but he's back now doing a little more distributing lately he still has a plus 2.1 net rating for this team and i know they've really struggled i'm not writing them off quite yet i mean they've had bad starts before and if uh, considering the low bar for making it into the west playoffs now i mean if they could play at a 2.1 net rating level with him on the floor and somehow some way be passable when he's off they, they could get back into this but yeah I, I thought he was pretty clear who did you have as your second second team guard spot a lot of the guys i was most seriously considering aren't on above 500 teams and yeah, what i started that made it tough that made it tough but part of what i was thinking about is that a, a lot of the guards that i was considering aren't defensive pluses in the first place so what i kind of started to get to was who is providing the most offensive value and making the big difference whether it's you know and and sometimes that's on court off court or overall offensive rating and i ended up going with bradley beal the wizards offense I mean, especially in some ways, their second unit offense has been kind of fluky great so far this year. But Beal has just, he shouldered a, a big part of that because they don't have John Wall. The point guard situation, remember, Ish Smith was so bad that they had to try out Isaiah Thomas, who's done, you know, better than expected. But Beal has a lot on his plate. I think he's done well with it. And so I had him, I had him as my, my, last second team guard though there were a lot of the guys i considered for third team and even guys that didn't make it were seriously considered too yeah and beal has a history of not being that bad of a defender also uh he is gonna play a ton of minutes i mean imagine how many minutes he would play if the medical guy didn't report directly to ted leonsis right he would be he'd be playing 48 minutes a game instead of 41 or whatever it is in some of these games uh if that guy didn't have a this incredible amount of power where he reports directly to the owner but uh yeah beal was my guy as well i mean over a 115 offensive rating when beal is on the floor i mean that's just an incredible number yeah they have shooting around him but they have very few other creators and i feel comfortable enough having watched him defend over the years and even in games this year that he may not be a plus defensively but he's not the problem and some of these other guys uh, who he's in competition with we do have a lot of evidence over the years that they are a problem so yeah i thought beal and lillard to me uh and especially you throw in the track record were up there Kyrie irving has probably missed too many games and also the nets have been much better defensively when he hasn't played so that's been part of it um he did not even make my third team uh if he had played more he would have been in this conversation though probably um Kyrie so made my all right we're in agreement me... there with beal and lillard for second team guards third team guards is where it oh, really Jesus. is the wild west now it, it really is i ended up going with Kyrie for one of these spots just because i think he's been better overall and and the Nets defensive struggles when he's been on the floor you know I don't lay most of that at his feet it's it's a weird lineup there are a bunch of other things he hasn't helped to be damn sure but they've been really good offensively and then the last spot I had kind of in my brain thought oh you know 
that's Kemba's, and Kemba's had a Kemba's had a fine year, so there's nothing nothing really against it. I ended up going with Trey Young, and the reason why is because Trey Young is the Hawks' offense, and everything else not working for the Hawks is not Trey Young's fault. So I'm going to give him the spot. Well, they're bad defense. I think he's he's contributes, clearly but... part of the problem. I mean, in PIPM, his defense is worse than his offense. Yeah, but I mean, I I generally think that those are those kind of things are overstated, and you know, I, I we we got into this discussion with Devin Booker last year and a few other guys, and there are a bunch of reasons why the Hawks' defense suck, and Trey Tra sucks, and Trey Young is one of them. But I don't think he is the one of those. Yeah. I mean, clearly, when you watch on film, he's not good. It's his, right. his defense is clearly a problem. I think he's clearly the worst defender by far of anyone that we're discussing in this. I mean, when you look at the fact that, yeah, they have a 108 offensive rating with him on the floor, but they're like in the low 90s without him, and they have nobody else on this team with Collins has been out nearly this entire time. Herder has been out nearly this entire time. I mean, to, for him to get the them to respectability i mean 34 usage is crazy his distribution has been outstanding still above average efficiency somehow despite this crazy load that he has to shoulder but he also has a negative 9.8 net rating man i mean that is just i don't think i can put someone on all nba who has a negative 9.8 net rating i, I know that that there are a lot of extenuating circumstances here i mean his team is what four and 13 now i just couldn't do it uh so who who did you consider then? Well, uh, and Kyrie uh, not having played enough his defensive foibles. I also, I mean, Young was right in there for me. Um, Kyrie, I did not put on there either. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon uh, statistically actually has been up there, uh, and paces have been really good when he's played, but uh, has missed this a little bit of time, and also there's hasn't been at this level so far. So that left me with Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker and Kemba Walker ended up going with Booker and Walker as my two third team guards wanted to reward Booker for playing better the Suns being especially when they've been even close to hold this year have been a, a pretty darn good team and Mitchell was right there though it's really splitting hairs between Booker uh, Mitchell and Walker same thing though Walker has been at this level before his team is really good he, he's been uh, at the very least solid defensively on what's been an above expected Celtics defense so ended up with Walker and Booker but certainly could have been Mitchell there and I expect those positions to be quite in flux throughout the course of the season well and depending on what position he ends up being credited as Paul George could end up in the guard conversation too oh yeah for sure uh oh yeah or you could move Butler down although Butler is playing pretty much exclusively small yeah I think Butler's a three this year yeah George I mean he'll probably be starting at the two some so uh all right well that was uh this I I presume we're gonna be bedeviled by these guard positions uh all year I mean, yeah i mean especially because because you think yeah. about how we're sliding this down with guys like steph curry being unavailable so now these are conversations that we weren't even really thinking about a couple of years ago that now become the third team guys well yeah although Doncic has replaced curry at the top basically sure so I think we're yeah that's kinda, fair um yeah there other than curry there really haven't been injuries at, at this position well quite uh, any criticisms of my process there picking uh walker and booker not really i mean i considered both of them i also consider malcolm brogdon i think i might have considered brogdon more heavily that i would have had him over booker i didn't have either one of them make my team i i again i don't wait as much on how much a guy's played i thought brogdon he's done a really nice job with what the pacers have asked and they've been limited all year and i thought that he's done a nice job with that so God, can, can you imagine if booker like play or, or i'm sorry if brogdon plays at this level all season and the bucks just let him go i mean oh man that just would be such a bummer yep (laughs) 
almost like almost like somebody said that that decision would haunt the franchise. Well, I'm sure they could trade for someone of equal caliber with the first round pick that they got for him. I, I don't expect. I don't either. Him to continue quite at this level. It was, I mean, but I mean, Pacers looking pretty formidable so far here. Uh, granted, they've had a crazy easy schedule, but they're also had a ton of injury issues, and their best player hasn't played a game yet. So, uh, defensive player of the year, who you got? It is pretty incredible that the guy who won this award the last two years running so far this year has his best argument. But when the, the Jazz, when Dennis Lindsay made the decision to swap favors out for smaller guys and and also, you know, j- just everything, I thought this was going to be the definitive year for Gobert one way or the other, that he was basically it was going to be all him or it was going to not happen. It has been. And I mean, they have a one per cleaning the glasses, garbage filter, 101.4 defensive rating when he's been on the floor. And yeah, that's not nearly as good as Joel Embiid, but the yeah. Sixers have a so much better around. defensive yeah. talent there. So the, the other people I considered, Embiid, Giannis, Anthony Davis. This is a crazy Davis stat. Uh, opponents are shooting 30.2% on contested finishes when Davis has been around the rim. And I mean, oh, some of that is just aberrational. You, you can't really do that. And then another guy I want to mention, I don't think, like, I didn't seriously consider him to, to win it, but Jonathan Isaac is having a wonderful defensive season. One other guy you didn't mention, I think, needs to be at least in the conversation. That's Marcus Smart. Yeah, best perimeter defender in the league. Uh, the versatility uh, to guard basically one through four, but like not guard one through four in kind of a Draymond Green sense where he's switching. He can guard one through four in a switching system, or you could put him on JJ Redick and have him sprint around screens. Like he he has versatility not only to guard any position, but to do it in any kind of a scheme as well. You can can put him on ball he can get over a screen if you're playing a conventional style and he certainly deserves the the most amount of credit for the celtics defense so far this year yeah really tough to say i mean ad has been fantastic too i think he's fallen off a little bit lately as these shoulder issues have started to bottom I, I thought it in that okc game for example that i saw he did not look very good rudy Guevara is my number one for all the reasons that you said Giannis. Still my number two, just like he was last year. I mean, he this Bucks defense is just incredible, and, and he's a huge part of that. And I actually went with Marcus Smart as my number three. Apologies to Joel Embiid. Again, the minutes play in a little bit there, as well as all the great defensive talent around him. The lack of versatility as well. I mean, I think Rudy Gobert, if you watch him defend Carl Anthony Towns out in the perimeter last week, you know, Towns did better in the first game between the two than they did a, a home and home. And Gobert just has a lot more versatility to get out on the floor, a lot more energy than Embiid. And you might say that just in terms of being at the rim and protecting the rim, maybe you like Embiid as much as Gobert there, but Gobert just much higher energy level. Doesn't have as big of an offensive load, obviously. And, but we're just talking about defense here and much more ability to get out on the floor to me than Embiid. Uh, so I would have had 84 and Embiid fifth. Uh, with with Giannis and Smart second, Gobert first. Do you want to move to coach of the year? Yeah, let's do it. Who you got? There are a number of good cases this year, and we always struggle to square who we think are really good coaches with the kind of the narrative type of elements. And so for me, it's who's playing over their head from a personnel perspective, who had a really hard job to do. And 
I'll go through the, the, the kind of the top tier for me, um, and then I'll say who my number one is. Monty Williams has gotten more out of this Suns team than I expected. I mean, he and and it's been really impressive. I mean, they've, they've been missing guys due to injury right now, but when they've been healthy, the Suns have been more capable defensively, moving the ball well offensively, and a lot of that goes to Monty Williams. Rick Carlisle, Mavericks offense has been singing. They've been a way better team than we anticipated. I think that he deserves a share of the credit. Brad Stevens, Celtics defense again, punching over their weight, and they've been they've been great. I mean, for, they were the league's best team for a stretch of the early part of the year. I don't think they're quite there right now, but they're still damn good, better than I expected. Doc Rivers has done a great job with a challenging Clippers team that keeps on changing because they keep keep on losing guys due to injury and then eventually getting them back. But my number one is Nick Nurse, partially fueled by, I think Nick Nurse is a damn good coach. And partially because he's also had to deal with changing circumstances with Lowry and Ibaka missing time. And we knew they were going to be really good defensively because they just have great personnel. But being able to... Yeah, well, missing Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka, you didn't right. think they were going to be good Ex- Exactly. And making this work offensively, being able to to add in new pieces, like Rondé Hollis-Jefferson has made his way back into the rotation. OG's having a nice year. Norm Powell. And it's I think it's a really challenging coaching job that he has excelled at and I mean giving Pascal Siakam the keys even before Kyle Lowry got hurt is a big decision and one that Nick Nurse absolutely hit out of the park yeah I think he would have to be my number one as well to have the Raptors 12 and 4 right now with the injuries that they've had and the turnover and just you know kind of a a season where you just won the championship and now that's probably not realistic great win over the Sixers last night again without Lowry and Ibaka getting great minutes out of deep bench guys Boucher Terrence Davis I mean these are uh, players who just were not had no pedigree at all coming into the season really really impressive empowering Siak I mean they're probably a little over their head but to get a top 10 offense out of this team i mean that's just insane so nurse would be my number one as well a few other candidates i thought deserve mention uh, and forgive me if you mentioned some of these mike malone nuggets benefiting from some shooting luck defensively to be sure but mike malone didn't ask Nikola Jokic to like suddenly lose all of his powers this year and he still has them at, at a very good record better net rating than last year the defense has been really good frank vogel Lakers defense much much better than expected the two bigs idea was derided no it's actually working well it's been better than playing with AD at center getting LeBron to defend at a higher level Dwight Howard is playing his role really well JaVale McGee is playing his role really well we'll see whether that holds up now that Rondo is back and some of the rotational decisions would be something we have to watch but <laughs> Dude, you know. Rod, the Rondo thing is actually why Vogel wasn't in my top tier is because I'm just terrified that having that card out of his hand was what was causing it to work <laughs> well was but it has worked so far yeah, I mean, that's we're true. basing it on, on, on what's already yeah. happening I, I agree if we're going going forward I, I I have a little bit of concern um Nate McMillan 10 and 6 Pacers pretty darn good net rating gonna make the playoffs again unless something crazy goes wrong kept things afloat especially after a tough start too uh kept them in it mentally do you mention Eric Spolstra oh no I didn't and that was egregious on my part I actually was considering him for coach of the year before so he's in this tier as well yeah and uh Rick Carlisle I don't know how much credit I'm giving him for the Mavs offense being really good you know it does seem like a lot of individual Luca right there but certainly they've exceeded expectations so Nurse is my number one probably gonna 
gonna go and i'll also default to the guys who have the track record in this situation too you know you don't you always want to avoid the you know sam mitchell coach of the year type of thing i go stevens two and spolstra three and maybe that's unfair to monty williams this is just one month of this though i want to see if they can keep it up they've had some injury issues he definitely has done a great job there's been a lot of coaches who've done a great job like what you said about rivers too uh, but those guys have both done it this year and have the good track record as well so i feel a little bit more comfortable uh, going with those guys especially when you're talking about a month of coaching that's a uh, little bit of a small sample there uh okay what's next Six biggest man? surprise team what well, let's oh, put those oh, oh, I was the end, sur- actually yeah i don't know why okay. i have it in this order we should do all the official ones first and then we can do that sure okay so let's do six men uh six men it is weird that to me again it's pretty much between like the the biggest conversation is lou williams montrez harrell and spencer dinwiddie same three guys we really discussed last year um sabonis was in my conversation last year but he's now uh, no, no, well i do have a couple others who are in this conversation to me my number two is not one of those three players interesting who is it bogdan bogdanovich oh uh, that's a good if he could if he could make a few more shots i think he'd probably be up there for me but he had that brutal stretch at the beginning of the year yeah and he also had a brutal game last night too but <laughs> i think he he is just keeping them afloat as you know really their only pick and roll player at this point in time with fox out so i that's that's why i went with him i i think that's just a little bit harder of a role um spencer dinwi was my number one though especially i mean now ironically what he's been doing as a starter has probably actually been what's pushed that with the the nets being where they five and one since Kyrie went down i believe it is five and one though it's been against a really soft schedule yeah well i mean if you look at their roster like their, their <laughs> roster is a lot softer than their the teams they're playing in this soft schedule so um but that's the the eligibility is you as long as you start fewer than half the games you're eligible he's eligible so he's my number one um bogdan two harold three for me especially harold's improved defense this year uh has been important i went harold one dinwiddie two lou williams three bogdanovich is a totally fair one especially when you consider it's kind of the lou williams argument if he has a really big role within his team's offense uh and i mean you already made the cases for the for the other guys so i don't want to i'll mention a few other guys that i think weren't praise george hill has done a really nice job coming off yeah, the bench. Yeah, you know, I noticed that, and then I saw he had 14% usage, and I was like, okay, yeah. that's, that's a little... I mean, yeah, he's definitely a good player, uh, but I, I was hoping, and he, he's been incredibly efficient this year, um, pretty uh, amazing. Like, I thought he was done, and then comes back from that groin injury last year, has an awesome playoffs, and his awesome start to this year. Like, I don't know where the hell that came from, but maybe he just needed some time off. The guy who I might pick for league pass six man of the year so far, Davis Bertans. He's been huge for the Wizards. I am advocating for him to start. I think that they would they would benefit a lot from that. He's been big. And then I wanted to give praise to Dwight Howard. I mean, Dwight Howard is one of the... I, I always really like the bench players who you can argue could be a part of their closing five. And Dwight's been great for them. I've got a couple other ones for you. Okay. One, Moritz Wagner in Washington. Yeah, I mean, I think Bertans has been better than Wagner, so that's well, why I put him so in. so interesting that you say that. Wagner has 23% usage and 73% true shooting. Yeah. 21 PR. I, I mean, I know Bertans has looked pretty good too, uh, but Bertans has 16% usage. And Wagner, granted, he's a, a total foul magnet and they don't have a good defense, but he also takes a bunch of charges. Like he... It, 
I, I wouldn't say either of those provides more defensively uh certainly Bertans has played more minutes he's about 1300 more minutes but I I actually thought Wagner had the better argument he's only played 264 minutes though so he ultimately couldn't be in there another guy who would be up there for me if he had been able to play more is Derek Rose he's only 284 minutes as well he probably would have been up in the top three if he had just played a little bit more Lou Williams uh, obviously you mentioned Jordan Clarkson quietly is yeah. having a pretty nice season in Cleveland. Oh, should we mention something briefly about about Wagner that he's having such a crazy Mori ball season? I think he's only taken like one or two shots, two pointers outside of outside of ten feet. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it's so crazy too because maybe it's a, a lesson for believing in shooting profile before someone gets in the NBA. He was drafted as a stretch four right now he's really playing five and just couldn't hit shots enough last year and now he just uh, can't miss uh one other guy patty mills yeah yeah i should have mentioned him that's that was an oversight on my part i mean shooting the shit out of it and they've really only been effective this year when he's been on the floor uh he's uh, we talked about that uh, on the 15 and 60 how they're actually quite positive with him out there he's even gotten some starts now as a result of that uh but i mean he he is still a really good player um we that leaves uh rookie of the year next i i thought there was a pretty clear top three for me okay do you want to do you want to start it then yeah i think uh john morant is number one it comes down to him and kendrick nunn right yep. now Longtime listeners of the pro- program know that particularly for rookie of the year my tiebreaker is who's the better prospect who's going to actually make a difference in the league that was my rationale for going with joel Embiid over malcolm brogdon in, in 2017 i think that one has held up pretty well um None also. I think he's been a part of a very good Heat defense. Um, but there's also, I think, something fluky about his three-point shooting. And Ja just, you know, he's been a number two overall pick. He's looked really good. Also, the role that Morant has within the Grizzlies offense, that's why I gave it to him. I mean, 31 yeah. usage and 36 assist percentage when they don't have great surrounding talent you know i i think that he's done a nice job of keeping of being a positive generating offense for them and he his role you know it was different for none before jimmy butler came back but now i think none is settling in as a valuable support player but not the same role that jaw has yeah i mean he certainly is a deserved starter and he's a very very clear number two so far would you agree with that I would. Uh, I had a little bit more trouble. You said there was a clear top three. Three is where I had a little bit of an issue. Well, I think it's Eric Paschal. I don't see anyone else who really is in the conversation, frankly. For me, Brandon Clark is in the conversation. I think he's done a nice job overall. But Pascal's a totally justifiable call. Yeah. I mean, he leads rookies in points scored, at least as of a couple of days ago. I don't know about points per game necessarily. Um, his defense hasn't sucked. I, I wouldn't say it's a positive. I mean, he, he probably looks better on ball. He's not really that great of a help defender the Warriors defense has been you know maybe the worst defense of all time so far but a lot of that's had to do with their guard and center play I don't think he's been the big problem there and he's been asked to do more with the ball as well been above average efficiency we'll see where he's at at the end of the season league seems to be catching up with to him a little bit when he uh charged into Danilo Gallinari three separate times yesterday you thought that maybe uh the scouting report might be out on him but uh, certainly a big drop off after Ja and none Pascal's also starting he's just got a bigger role he's got a lot he's 530 minutes compared to 334 for Clark um anyone else that you seriously considered just Clark I think it was yeah. for me it was Clark and Pascal for that last spot yeah I mean PJ Washington Tyler Hero maybe should be in it you know Hero uh, of these names that we've mentioned might end up having the most impactful NBA career uh, given his status as a prospect RJ Barrett 
Kobe White have just been way too negative of players so far. I mean, they just have actively hurt their teams with their uh, high usage and terrible efficiency. And I mean, there's really, you've only got 21 players who have played over 250 minutes in this rookie class. And you know, PJ Washington deserves some mention too, but uh, he's fallen off after an incredibly hot start. And he's just, he just doesn't have that big of a role. And I think defensively, uh, he hasn't been good for this Charlotte team. So yeah, he's been a, a okay starter. Those complaining about Rui Hachimura, he is awful defensively and below average efficiency on offense. But yeah, not a ton to choose from here as of now. Uh, best sophomore is obviously Luca. I mean, there isn't, if he's in he's your number one for mvp he's my number three so there's not anything there but what i noticed was after then i would have i mean i had trey young on all nba team he's the only other guy i had there once you get beyond that it gets pretty dark like this is it there haven't really been that kind of guy like De'Aaron fox let's say last year who really stepped up as a second year player well i wouldn't say dark like shea gilgis alexander has looked pretty good to me he's looking pretty good Um, i I don't think he's in that same i I like i like slightly yeah let me see yeah shea wasn't an obvious pick to me uh probably the the two others that i would have considered there were Devonte graham and wendell carter carter bulls are actually slightly positive with him on the floor and negative 12 when he's off the floor he has been a quality defensive player usage is pretty low they haven't really developed a shooting but he at least has been efficient offensively 64 percent true shooting he was below average last year so quality defender uh, and playmaker He's also played 514 minutes already, but I, I went with Gilgis Alexander. I think he's just a the little bit better of a long-term prospect. He, he's done everything that's been asked to him so far. He's had a, a positive season. His skill development, shooting the three ball in particular, has been impressive. And let's not forget, if he, he could have a larger role, but he also, basically because OKC has no wings, he's had to play the three a lot. He's played minutes with, at times, both of Schroeder and Chris Paul. He hasn't really been able to be the main engine. I think he would be having a more impressive season perhaps uh, if that were the case so he was my number three apologies to graham and carter i would say uh let's let's go to do you want to do surprise team player now yeah yeah we don't do most improved player because there's just too many issues with sample and too many candidates until the end of the year so yeah uh and, yeah, and, we're, and we should also mention we're not doing dunk of the month for this month because since we're doing this before the end of november the montages aren't out yet and doing it based on a week of october is a little bit shaky so we'll we'll have a big one in december okay uh biggest surprise surprise team my number one was the phoenix suns same for me i i I mean not not only are they eight and eight but they have a plus 2.4 net rating and they've done so with some significant recent absences rubio's missed missed time baines has missed time deandre ayton only played in the first game of the season and more important than any of that they've just looked fundamentally different than i expected they competed more defensively they've executed a lot better offensively and so for me the number two would be dallas but to me dallas is just a really good version of what i thought they could be as opposed to the suns who are just totally different in a surprising way yeah you thought they'd have the best uh offensive rating of all time well no i mean again this is you know we're speaking about and also i mean they've been about league average defensively that's better but what phoenix has done is just totally shocking yeah no especially when they've been healthy i mean with their starters mentioned this uh, earlier baines and rubio on floor over a plus seven net rating i mean that that's very very good they they would be even more of a candidate here had it not been for the injuries i had dallas number two uh toronto number three indiana is right up there also um biggest surprise player i had uh i luka Doncic. um luka and siakam were the obvious ones to me i thought about guys at the top but i actually went a little bit lower 
And um, for me, it was Dwight Howard. I just thought Dwight was done. And for an older player to think he's done and have him be contributing the way that he has to the Lakers, to me, in many ways, that's more surprising than a young player getting better. And maybe with Dwight, I should have seen it like kind of Danny Green and a few other guys that it was injury related. And, you know, playing with LeBron is certainly a favorable circumstance, but he's done a really good job. Siakam and Luka are both totally justifiable picks. A couple other ones, just because I didn't think they were going to be NBA players, much less what they've done so far. Mo Wagner, Rashawn Holmes, and Brandon Ingram. I think Ingram's is, again, more in the line of the Siakam thing, where it's like you could, it was possible, he's just been better than I thought. Well, the three-point shooting for Ingram, I mean, that is just batshit completely out of nowhere. The the volume, simply, in addition to actually making him at 46%. And then I gave an honorable mention to that like two weeks of Andrew Wiggins because that was shocking, but we'll have to see if it comes back. Yeah, I mean, if he could play like those two weeks for the rest of the year, we'll see if that happens. But um, yeah, so I had Doncic one, Siakam two, Ingram three. Uh, Howard actually doesn't surprise me as much. I, I do think that the raw materials were there. Even in that year in Charlotte, like he wasn't just totally useless. I mean, he was getting points and rebounds. I mean, it was just, oh, he wants to post up. Like that was, which I, I even that I thought was a little bit overblown the, the last couple of years. Um and yeah, people in Charlotte didn't like him and blah, blah. But I am uh, I, I think that he maybe got a little bit too bad of a, of a rep. And he's still, I, I mean, the biggest thing that's impressed me is his mobility. I mean, he really has gotten thinner. He's able to move again, which, you know, he just was anchored to the paint those last couple of years. Um, but yeah, so Doncic, Siakam, and Ingram would be the three for me. Uh, we'll give you some negative stuff. Biggest disappointing team and player of the year. But first, I have a confession to make. I had never worn cologne until about the last month or so i just never really felt that it was necessary i really had no idea which ones to pick frankly uh, as a pretty big dork in high school i had no idea which ones girls would find overpowering and which ones they would actually like but when i found out about hawthorne they invited me to take their two-minute quiz and they gave me the two colognes that they thought would be best for me one for work and one for play and they were correct. I really like uh, the smells. Not having put it on before, I kind of sprayed way too much on the first time, and it was like all over my pillow and stuff. Uh, again, I I have no idea how this stuff works, but uh, I actually uh, figured out how to use it, and now it's it's really two excellent smells. Also got some shampoo and conditioner soap that I really enjoy. This is like a huge bar of soap, uh, and of course they send it all to you. You don't have to go to the drugstore when you're out of stuff. Sent me some deodorant also uh, to replace my deodorant that I first started wearing in 1994 and it all really just smells better and it's based uh, on that two minute quiz uh, of what type of smells uh, I enjoy a lot of interesting questions uh, on that quiz the way to get started with them hawthorne.co that's hawthorne with an e at the end and it's .co not .com that's hawthorne.co h-a-w-t-h-o-r-n-e dot c-o and use that cap space code to get 10 percent off he's remember cap space talk about all the time here on the program once again that's the cap space code to get 10 percent off your purchase and that cap space code lets them know that you came from us i'm really interested to see who you had for the most disappointing team i had three real contenders all of which with kind of different cases um yeah the Bulls, to me, it's just they, they just haven't been as good as I thought they would be, and that's been really disappointing. The Spurs, they've been largely healthy, so their struggles have, have been disappointing. But my number one is the Portland Trailblazers. They have battled injuries, and they are shallower in ways that are coming home to roost. You know, like losing Zach Collins is a really big deal for them, and missed, missed Hassan Whiteside for a little bit too. But Yeah, I mean, they've had one injury, though. 
Yeah, exactly. Like they've had that, and they're six and twelve. Like it's not like oh they're struggling a little bit. Six and twelve is really bad. They've had some debilitating losses, including losing to this will come up soon. Losing to the Warriors without all four of their All Stars, and the and the Blazers had all of their non Collins guys. They also lost to the Cavs without Kevin Love recently, and that's that's why it's so disappointing to me is that there it's an open it's a more open path in the West than I thought it would be. They have had some injury luck, but they haven't been beset by them, but like a team like the Warriors. So yeah, Blazers are my number one. Yeah, I go with the Blazers also. Warriors, it's just tough to put them in there because they were so bad while they had their guys. But that was well, that, that's what's interesting. Like if the Warriors had stayed healthier, it probably would have been them. Yeah, but certainly it. it it hasn't been real and i think you would have to put dream on green up there in your most disappointing players because sure granted i predicted that he would be less effective this year without you know being a part of that system but that prediction was confirmed and he really just is not able to make any kind of an impact apparently on a team that's not you know already a high level type of team now that doesn't diminish what he's done the last few years but it does mean that you know in theory it'd be nice if you could contribute on all types of teams and he's you know much better on a good team uh both on offense and defense so yeah i went blazers one spurs two because those teams just haven't had that many injuries and warriors would be number three for me i'm interested in who you did you pit draymond as number one player or do you have somebody else no uh my number one most disappointing player is Nikola Jokic because he just has not been the same player i know the nuggets are playing fine they've been a little bit lucky i think their defense has been a little bit both in terms of their point differential and then also their defense uh benefiting from some missed shots but this offense just like if this guy the the thesis of Jokic was and yeah their bench has been really bad too like that's been part of it but the thesis of Jokic was he makes you a top 10 offense on your own and he just he's down in every category this year like he was supposed to get better this year and he's and especially because the reason for it is to me that he's just not in as good a shape that clear seems to be the biggest issue here so it's disappointing in the sense that he you know kind of let himself go apparently a little bit and that's why i just did i mean for him to not even really be in the all nba conversation as of right now is not good uh russell westbrook he's been been in this for category for a while for him to be this inefficient despite the fact that james harden is taking all this defensive attention and they've got all this space that's a real bummer uh and then ben simmons was i think also deserves some mention there just still the the lack of uh, i mean the straight up regression in his game in a lot of areas we talked about that in the last 15 and 60 i went a little bit lower in the pecking order those are all reasonable choices and my number one was lowry markinen i i think that sure. he's he's been dealing with apparently putting boil in this oblique issue he 50 percent true shooting 20 percent on threes and 43 percent on twos and i thought you know they're get, getting a more favorable set of things last year the bulls were beset by injuries and weren't that good in the first place getting a healthy wendell carter and you know even if he's not great more zach levine and a more cogent point guard spot with sadoransky and everything else we haven't seen as much auto porter he just hasn't been good and also for marketing career lows in usage offensive rebounding and defensive rebounding all of which is really concerning uh i i will echo all of yours for my considering Jokic was my number two but then my number three is somebody you didn't mention and that's Dejounte murray murray so for it's more of a it's a couple of specific things so yeah the spurs have sucked when he's been on the floor i think there are a lot of different reasons for that negative 13.9 net rating but murray remember all the talk about how he's really grown as a shooter 22% on three so far this year, taking just 1.9 per 36 minutes. Yeah, well, that's more than he was taking. <laughs> it, it's true, but 
but you think about the the big money extension he got and yes he is still I, I still think he's a wonderful defensive guard but if he can't be even the I mean centerpiece is really the line but if he can't even be like a, a functional positive piece in a successful offense it just it's hard to use any guard sized guys that way and so for Murray that is really disappointing to me in terms of thinking about the next stage of Spurs basketball this is a disappointing year for a variety of reasons we got into that in 15 and 60 but if he is if he is not that guy it becomes a lot harder to figure out how the Spurs team is going to roll well to me the key is that this is a word for most disappointing I guess you were expecting a lot more out of him than I was. was this year yeah I was because I, I didn't expect him to be a shooter this is not a surprise to me I mean I think just with his ability to dribble and finish at the rim and pass you know he's only that's essentially 16 million a year I think that's still fine for him and he's also got the DeRozan albatross around his neck uh as well and this is just not a modern offense I think if you had the right pieces around him he could still be very effective so I mean I, I think actually that extension looks fine for San Antonio right now uh when I was talking with Hollinger the other day I thought it's one that looks just fine because he he at least athletically he looks like he's there I mean and also just coming back from the ACL too I mean remember this isn't the type of thing where you know he tore the ACL like in July of 2018 he tore it basically a year ago so I think to to look good athletically and show a little bit of promise as far as at least being willing to take some threes which he wasn't at all doing before he got hurt I mean that's I think he's right on track personally I think we just had had different expectations for him if that's the case I I uh I do not agree with your assessment on him okay uh but okay let let me push back let me push back a little bit okay so no please so DeJounte Murray as a let's say a 16 million dollar a year player what is his role offensively I think if you have more shooting you can have him run some pick and roll you can play him off the ball he can do some cuts uh and else I mean it's just he's coming back from the ACL you know I mean when you say what is his role yeah as this exact player right now he's got some major limitations I think everybody who just was like before last year was just so excited about him and like oh he's gonna be this next big star the Spurs pulled one over on everyone blah blah I mean yeah he's a good pick at 29 but I just never thought he was going to be like some big star i think he can be when you throw in how valuable his defense is i think he can be you know an adequate starter we see where the point guard market is and just hope that me has shown a little bit of progress and especially coming off an acl you're not going to shoot the ball very well right away and he looks fine athletically so that's uh, i mean i agree i don't think he's going to be a top 15 starter in the nba like i never thought he was going to be that but um but i think it's just it's uh, the, a month into his season after tearing an acl to say he's never going to be able to shoot it i mean i tend to agree with you i don't think it's going to be a plus but you know i mean you could get to like you know john wall type of level shooting the ball at some point maybe i never said he was i i just i don't expect it at this point i'm not i'm not writing anybody off it as young as he is and coming off an injury but for me it's more what i'm more concerned about is his role within a capable offense and if that if if it's not your point guard then it has to be somebody else and it's not like the spurs have a ton of other resources to throw at that at least in the near term so it gets it gets complicated to find that guy well, and I want to see what he looks like when he actually has some space around. He's sure. Not yeah, I mean, DeMar DeRozan. the DeRozan albatross is, is a fair point. Um, best win of the season. It feels weird to go with an opening night game because that's so long ago. But for me, the Clippers over the Lakers was a really impressive one, especially considering how well the Lakers have played and Paul George was not there. The final score of that was 112-102, but it wasn't even that close. And uh, do you want to pick yours or do you want to do honorable mentions? Because I have a lot. Of, I have a uh, Yeah, mine was the Nuggets 105-95 over Houston, a, t- a team that has completely bedeviled them. Yeah, that was the an years, important win. Um, that they actually finally... I- 
and granted, you know, Houston is missing Eric Gordon. It's a little bit different with Russell Westbrook, but they actually were able to control James Harden for once. And I, I thought that was a, a pretty big win for them. Uh, my honorable mentions, Grizz beating the Jazz in the Mike Conley return game. And I generally eschew blowout wins over bad teams for this category. But when you put up the best offensive efficiency in a game and in the last five years, like Dallas did over Cleveland and scored over 1.5 points per possession for an entire game, that deserves mention for me too. But Nuggets over Houston is my number one. My other nominees, uh, the Heat crushing the Rockets. Yes, it was a Sunday afternoon, but still a really impressive win. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, like Miami can can put it together. The Suns over the Clippers. Remember that that is still one of only two Clippers losses when Kawhi played, and the Suns were really good in that game. Yeah. The other one, the other one was Rockets over Clippers, which is also on my list. So those were really the big ones for me. Yeah, and your your number one is uh, Clippers. Clippers over, over Lakers, Lakers opening night. All right, this is always kind of a more fun category uh worst loss so what's interesting to me here is i i picked four games and the losing teams were each duplicated so my number one worst loss was that aforementioned blazers to the warriors 127 118 at the chase center on november 4th and pascal went off for 34 the warriors bench which was super depleted because they had all those guys who had to start outplayed the blazers bench it was an early sign that something was wrong the more recent one for them was the blazers losing to the Cavs after lillard was back and love was out then my other two were the mavericks because somehow they lost to the knicks twice both of those games were close but just no um i got a couple other ones here uh, some nominees and then i'll give you my my number one i certainly had blazers at warriors sixers at raptors last night with joel Embiid going 0 for 11 uh, he uh has not in fact solved marcus all and i mean considering all the players that were out for the raptors and that you would think philly was really raring to go after that loss a year ago by the way the raptors haven't lost to an atlantic division opponent at home in the regular season since like 2015 divisions uh the warriors you could pick from any of their three games when they had everyone healthy i went with warriors at thunder when they just were completely blown out and trailed like 30 at halftime and they still had steph curry and d'angelo russell and draymond green like you should be able to do a little better than that and then uh uh, the one against the suns too was pretty rough at home steph curry breaks his hand and is out for the year but they were nuked before that i mean they were down they they went the suns went on what was it like a 30 to 4 run oh yeah no they're down they're down no no it was like a like a 30 to 1 run in the first quarter and they're they're down 30 after the first quarter and then steph curry with the game completely over already breaks his hand in the third quarter when the game's already over that one actually has got to go higher now that i think about it. i'm gonna pick that one uh yeah um the hornets lost to the bulls where they led i think by four they led by five the, oh yeah it was five Sorry, it was thank five you. thank you it was i five. turned it off yeah they led by five with 10 seconds left sadaransky hits a three they turn it over on the inbound get it to levine and levine hits his 13th three-pointer of the game to win the game for the bulls um but but none of these games not even steph curry being pretty much out for the year in a 35 point home loss can compare with the knicks losing by 20 at home to the Cavs. a loss so bad that james dolan berated his front office men at halftime and forced them to do a press conference before the coach had even done his press conference right after the game to say how unacceptable it was that has to be number one to me 
It's the spiritual successor of the Tai Lu game last year and the Mutiny game. So yeah. I can kind of see it from that perspective. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, I think the truly worst losses is like really involve the whole, whole organization and have consequences beyond simply losing the game uh, on the floor. So number two would be that uh, Warriors for Suns game. Best game of the year. Maybe I'm biased because we did it for the NBA cast, but Clippers Celtics, playoff intensity, really exciting. And then big shots and plays both at the end of regulation and overtime with Kawhi getting that block to seal the game. Yep, that was mine as well. And I branded it game of the year in the title of the podcast and got a couple <laughs> Yeah, people of- love that. What? People, there were some negative responses to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of them was like, oh, they was so sloppy in the first half. Well, like, no, actually, like, two teams playing this hard defensively, two teams that have these, like, guys like Smart and Beverly who are just going at it. I mean, like, the level of competitiveness in that game was the highest of any game that I've seen this year, outside of, of course, uh, Houston's effort in Miami. That that would be number two, uh, of course. Oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, Clippers-Rockets a few days later was probably my number two. That was an incredibly yeah. fun game as well. Um, um, Houston 159, Washington 158. Oh, God. I was watching that at Chase, and I was just like, what the hell is going on? It was fun. Yeah, that that one was pretty insane. And, and that Bulls over the Hornets game, too. I mean, when, with Levine ending the game that way, 13 threes in that game, uh, that, that deserves much. But yeah, Clippers over Boston, I didn't watch that whole Clippers-Houston game, but... Um, Houston just is not very fun to watch a lot of times, too. I mean, I know I just picked one of their games, but... Uh, okay, executive of the year i picked lawrence frank preseason i'm sticking with it now i mean being able to put together the the star power they did but also be as deep as the clippers are i think that's that's the call for me at least right now yeah you know i was focusing mostly on surprise teams and just the clippers have already been this for so long i almost like forgot about him but yeah he's got to clearly pee number one uh number two to me and and you know we'll see i mean it if this edition of the Clippers doesn't make finals appearances in the next couple of years and they give all these draft picks and Kawhi or PG could leave after two years I mean it's not it's not written in stone yet I mean the because executive of the year to me should be about more than just this year and that's why it's a little bit torn here some of the other nominees that I had Kevin Pritchard Victor Oladipo out remade this team got younger picked up Malcolm Brogdon who's been awesome as we mentioned so far the Sabonis Turner thing is working well enough once again uh everything that I think about the Indiana Pacers I am wrong about um but I did like the pickups of Lamb and Warren although Lamb even ha- hasn't played that much he's been injured he's been good when he's played uh Aaron Holiday has come in he's been playing pretty well for them now with Brogdon out TJ McConnell great pickup as a third point guard I mean a bunch of teams missed the boat on him at, at that price to get him for three million years second year non-guaranteed is really good um you know again I, I'm not sure I have him on my ballot but he deserves some mention uh Pat Riley he 12 and 4 got Jimmy Butler they moved heaven and earth to get him we'll see what it means to, that he's traded those picks that that they're hard capped but he did it Butler looked pretty solid so far still worry a little bit about his his lack of high level scoring early on this season and athleticism but he's been great getting Kendrick Nunn for nothing at the very end of last season still eligible for rookie of the year because he didn't play at all but uh that was fantastic heroes looking like a great pick at 13 even Myers Leonard is contributing for them he's probably been better than Hassan Whiteside has been so far this year uh, in that trade they've had a fair number of injuries uh, and they still Duncan Robinson another guy who's contributed that they just got for absolutely nothing so Pat Riley would probably be my number two as of now but subject to change because they did mortgage the future a little bit and then James Jones probably be number 
number three again the future the marginal impact of some of these dudes but they got aaron baines for nothing he's been awesome they picked up a, even a better draft pick capital than that well and the biggest one for james jones is money williams sure sure i mean that, I, that's I, a great I, I had him number two for coach of the year and that's significant yeah ricky rubio has been solid so far when he's been healthy and again we'll see how the end of this season looks i don't think that their moves set them up incredibly well for the future but certainly he's made them more competitive this season if that's your goal ultimately now is your goal getting into being a solid playoff team for years and years you know then maybe we'll see where he ends up uh, but um also have to mention Danny Ainge getting Kemba Walker this year they haven't missed a beat if anything they've maybe been a little bit better than last year though that was a little bit of a no-brainer as far as getting him but for them to be this competitive it is still pretty good and he didn't uh mortgage the future or make any kind of panic trade we'll see this is one where if Ainge can make a trade the way Masai Ujiri did last year that might really vault them into contention at the east then maybe we'll be talking about him at, at the end of the year um Anything else on that, or should we move to not executive of the year? Oh, we can move to not executive of the year. Just like the other side of it, the guy I picked preseason, Bob Myers, is still my choice. The decision to mortgage as much as they did to add D'Angelo Russell, it, you know, Russell's had a better start than I would have anticipated, but it made it impossible for them to build a deep enough team. And so I think the Warriors actually got really fortunate in some ways that they are as injured as they are, because then it, it takes the heat off of just how poorly constructed this roster was. And being hard capped meant that they couldn't add any, any real depth. It, you know, they couldn't necessarily even retain some of the potentially useful guys that were on the roster last year, you know, like the Jordan Bells of the world and everything else. They were fortunate with Kevon Looney. And we'll see how the Draymond Green extension looks. I mean, you and I were both more positive about that. And I also think that he will be energized being on a better team, which is not this year. But it is possible that that ages more poorly than we anticipated. You know, it's hilarious to say this with them at 3-15, and 15, but I actually feel better about Myers offseason now than I did in the offseason. Because it because it didn't cost them, you know, like being a draft pick or something like that. Is well, that the idea? a number of reasons. They're going to keep that top twenty protected pick that they sent to Brooklyn. Eric Pascal looks like a great find at forty one. Yeah, that was the nearly the reason I didn't put him at number one here. Kai Bowman looks like he might be able to be a backup point guard for this team on the cheap for a couple of years. They got him on a two way right now. That's a good find. Jordan Poole looks awful. I always hated that pick, but you know, to go two for three on guys that you just signed like that uh, is pretty darn good. I mean, even Damian Lee looked solid uh, on a two-way uh glenn robinson the third looks like a really good signing right now he's having a, a pretty nice year now and even russell when he's played i mean he, you know he has a negative 17 net rating so let's not go crazy but when he's played offensively he's looked pretty good uh when he's been the, the main guy so who knows where they would be if steph and draymond have been healthy this whole time also remember looney hasn't played since the beginning of the year uh and i think he was a, an important piece collie stein looks terrible for them uh but you know if they had steph curry he, he would be getting some dunks he might look better so like there actually have been some pretty encouraging things despite the fact that they're three and 15 i and so i'm not sure that i can put him number one because there actually have been well, some good things here here's why i can remember that they gave up two first round picks to do everything yeah. that they did and the opportunity costs well, of it's of gonna everything. end up being one yeah that's because, true yeah because they're not gonna but they gave up like, and they, i think they give up four or five second rounders and all this and those second yeah. rounders are a little bit more valuable now and they're not. cash i mean there's a lot of bad moves don't get me wrong but they've actually done he's done some good things it hasn't been an unequivocal negative well see i also don't have anybody who's just a disaster in every facet so oh that's also oh i i've got plenty you want to hear mine sure i've got three that have been disasters in every facet neil olshay yep he's my number two uh he would be my number one 
I don't know what planet you're on that Steve Mills hasn't been a disaster in every facet. Well, I think the Mills the Mills part of it is that they what else were I mean they could have done better but the margin between what they did and what they could have done when everybody said no was pretty small I mean they could have done the Iguodala trade the Harkless thing yeah or like actually just provided somewhat of an ecosystem for Barrett yeah that's uh, true. I also think I, I also think they made the wrong pick with Barrett now the guys I liked better than Barrett haven't looked that great either White and uh, Garland I think I, I still would probably prefer White over Barrett based on what's happened so far but you know it's not at all clear cut um you know, they really haven't. None of the guys really beyond the top two have done much so far this year. I mean, that's why Eric Pascal was my, you know, number three rookie of the year. Uh, and the number two guy was undrafted. So it's not like any of those guys are looking great so far. Um, okay, so but, I, I, I'm interested to see. I, I'm not going to tell you who it is. I had a third guy that I mentioned. I want to see if he's on your list. Travis Schlenk. Not on my list, but I get the rationale. If you told me before the season that Trey Young was going to have this kind of a season and the Hawks would be 4-13... and 13, like and everything that went wrong like deandre hunter doesn't look good he certainly doesn't look like a player because he's a little older too remember right i mean he's got like an eight per definitely not helping their defense much lately cam reddish has been one of the worst rotation players in the nba uh and outside of jordan Poole, probably the worst uh so that pick is not looking good to trade up to get four and give up so much to do that when that player is not really that great the turner for baysmore trade and yeah they've had some injuries they'd be better if it weren't for that but the no backup point guard at all when you consider the amount of resources that they had available taking on solomon hill in that new orleans trade and just punting on 12 million in cap space like like the hawks I mean, I guess with Collins and Herter out, you know, maybe it's not released, but like the Hawks could be hanging around enough that when those guys come back, they could be making a playoff push this year. And especially with all the chips they pushed in to get Hunter and he just doesn't look like anything special at all. And just so many avoidable mistakes. Uh, you know, like why didn't they just do pay TJ McConnell four million a year instead of three million to be their backup point guard instead of or, their second point guard? And you and I disagreed on this at the time. Get a better damn center than Alex Len. Oh no, I don't think we disagreed on that. I thought that well, at the very least, backup center was we knew would be a disaster, and it has been. Yeah, and, and they had I'll also remember they sold what ended up being fairly low on their cap space in the early move with the Nets. I mean, granted that it, we couldn't have known yeah, everything there. Crab, yeah, yeah, crab, and they the Torian for a first round pick you know like we'll we'll see how that part turns out but and they couldn't have necessarily known that the nets were going to get actually the nets first round picks look a little bit better now with how hurt they've been but yeah so the other one that i wanted to mention and it, again it's not that everything went poorly but i wonder how elton brand's offseason is going to look with the passage of time giving a full max to tobias harris giving a full was, max wasn't it a little bit less than the or you max? know like close to yeah. functionally yeah like, but yeah but i mean we're cap dorks we have to yeah, we have to be yeah sure honest, but. sure uh, giving Ben Simmons the money a year ahead of time, considering how this might end up going. Yeah, also fixing it so he now can't be traded this year. Exactly. So so they basically locked in on that team, and then it's going to be harder to trade him next year if this money ends up looking as bad as it does. Um, the bench is still really shaky. I mean, Hull Neto has been useful, and this has been fine the you know the we talked about how the non-embed horford minutes have still been a disaster and for me this is something uh, i did a podcast with ben taylor shortly before we recorded this and something i talked about with him was how the sixers do not have other looks you know like they don't have a jj reddick or landry shaman anymore and so if this lineup you know with then getting josh richardson worked out pretty well you know with the jimmy butler part of this yeah but i mean that that to me and and getting horford designed to yeah like they're talented players but i I can't put him in I mean, in but, the, but in here's, the here's the problem. 
when they have Joel Embiid and all of these other, like this talented group, it's so hard for them to change direction if this isn't right. And they don't even have enough within a game to like generate offense. And they gave up, remember they got leveraged into giving up even more to get Matisse Thibel because everybody knew that Elton Brand wanted him. And it's, it, I, I don't think it's, it, to me, it's in the same conversation, but I think two to three years from now, we could look back on this and say, what if, because of basically the, the committing to this exact group of guys could be, could be a significant well mistake. i think they did about as well as they could do especially if you're going to say that butler was going to leave um i think that the issues were more the harris trade at the time that it happened and so some of the moves well, that see, they made. i I, di- I disagree pretty strongly because of the ben like giving committing to ben simmons a year early yeah it would have been it would have been a you know a personality clash and all that kind of stuff but yeah. we didn't know how this team was going to work out and now they can't change well well but here's the other thing too danny like i'm not ruling out them winning the championship still this year i mean they have a 13 yeah, net rating with Joel Embiid on the floor this year. It's very possible. Like that's, but, and I think this is a team that's going to punch above the right now. Did I feel a little bit of heart palpitations when their best crunch time offense against Toronto was Josh Richardson mid ranger out of the pick and roll three times in a row last night? Yeah, didn't feel too good about that. But uh, the hope is that if he's not going against Marcus Ole and B can provide them more. I mean, like, I think I think they're still they're on track. They're they're going to be you know right about where i thought they're gonna be I, I i can't put him in the same i mean i think it's an interesting debate i'm glad we had it but i can't put him in the same level as some of these other guys where we're just man that was dumb what the hell were you thinking type of stuff um anything else on that or should we uh finish up here with our uh, our monthly trends and predictions yeah let's go to trends um i'll do the one that will continue first and that is orlando shooting struggles i don't know if it'll be as extreme as right now where they're last in the league in effective field goal percentage at 48 percent. but remember that they were 20th last year and that was when DJ and Vooch were having career years and neither one of those is having it right now. Vooch is on the shelf. DJ is marginalized to the to the bench and there just aren't that many good shooters on this team. So I think it's it's not a surprise that they're having those struggles. Mine is that Dallas will continue to have a top five offense uh, I said that they would not a couple of weeks ago, that it didn't seem like a number one type of offense to me. Since then, they have had those three games in a row against the Warriors, the Cavs, and the Rockets, where I think they put up over 130 each game. I am now convinced I'm a believer. I'm a believer in Luka. They're doing this without particularly hot three-point shooting. They're just right around league average there. So uh, I'm definitely convinced some of their like, fifth in offensive rebounding, which is remarkable considering that Porzingis spends so much of his time on the perimeter. Uh, my trend that I believe is an aberration. I predict that the Denver Nuggets currently number two uh, as we record this during the day on November 26th, that they will not be in the top five in defense over the next month. Mine is very similar to that. Mine is Denver's opponent shooting luck. So okay. we, there, we yeah, talked we talked about their location effective field goal percentage. That was something I brought up in the 1560. They have the eighth or sorry, ninth worst uh, opponent shot field goal percentage, but they're third in actual. So that just means opponents are making are, are missing shots that they would normally make. They have the league's lowest opponent three point shooting percentage and mid range field goal percentage. That is totally unsustainable, completely unsustainable. So I wonder how their defense will rebound to that because that just cannot continue. It's it that's not the way this works. I got a bonus for you Miami currently has the number one e field goal percentage on offense in the NBA I predict that they will not be in the top five over the next month okay okay indeed well that was fun happy Thanksgiving everyone Uh, only two episodes this week but we wanted to make sure that we gave you guys some long ones here we went about two hours with the 1560 yesterday and uh quite a long time here with the awards 
We'll be back on Sunday. Hollinger and Duncan will be back on Sunday as well. If you need some extra content, you haven't listened to Hollinger and Duncan yet, please subscribe. Just search Hollinger in your store. If you listen to this show and you've got a Wi-Fi device, and even if you can't listen to every dunked on, but you want to help us out, just set your device to download this automatically. That helps us out too. And Danny, anything that you want to talk about? I, I started listening to your Real GM radio with Ethan. That was pretty good. Thanks. Uh, yeah, the Ethan one is out, and I already have the next Real Jam Radio out as well. That's with Ben Taylor. We start out with a long conversation about Luca's first month plus, which would dovetail well with this MVP conversation. And then we talked about Mitchell and Tatum and how they could potentially fit in. And then we, we went through some of the championship contenders and how we're feeling a little bit over a month in. So it was a really fun conversation and another thing for to tide people over until everything, you know, we, we come back on Sunday. Yeah, did you guys keep it under three hours this time? yeah we did <laughs> it was like an hour 25 <laughs> um yeah i mean well the last one i mean we did yeah we did three and a half hours that got split into two for the breakout including a lot a, a fair section on on luca and that but that was did you guys con- like record that consecutively yes that was all in one sitting holy shit you guys and i think you, you and i re- i think you and i recorded either right before or right after that too yeah no you guys are just machines like he he records like you know hour and a half podcast just by himself like i i can't do it like i need a break uh i just get too fatigued but uh i will be refreshed when we come back to you on sunday and enjoy my favorite holiday of the year oh and if you ever want to hear me talk about thanksgiving foods i this was years ago but i ranked my top five thanksgiving foods on uh kp's podcast uh podcast the pelton cast so uh can check that out too all right talk to y'all in a few days at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.